Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Sportlific, where sports and politics mix and mingle. I'm Stacey Johnson. Joining me tonight is Aguna, the Nigerian moderate Republican, Keith, the constitutional conservative, Stephen, and my cousin Todd. Tonight, finally, an arrest has been made in the shooting of ex NFL player McKnight, President-elect Trump, and the carrier deal. How many jobs did he actually save? The Eagles, oh, my goodness, horrible, horrible. I I just want to give up. I really do. I just want to give up. I think the season is over. It doesn't even matter if we win another game. You know what I mean? Playoffs or not, the season is over. Um, President-elect Trump, again, (laughs) wants to cancel the Air Force One future building by Boeing and says it costs too much money. Um, Also, President-elect Trump taxed former campaign rival neurosurgeon Ben Carson as housing secretary or secretary of housing and urban development. I don't know how in the world a neurosurgeon knows about housing and urban development. Annie Hoosie's. Let's start with the NFL, and let's start with the Redskins. Stephen, how did the Redskins do this weekend? Well, the Redskins didn't do so well. It was a it was a must win, I guess. At this point, they all are for the Redskins now, definitely. But it was a game they they had to have. But uh, they came out slow, a little bit lethargic, maybe from being off. For 10 days, I don't know, but they didn't play that well, and um, the Cardinals got one that they really needed. So we have an easier schedule coming up in the near future, so I'm hoping we do something better because we still have a very slim shot at the um, playoffs, and that's fine. It really hurts yeah, not I mean, to have uh, Jordan Reed out there. It's, it's he's, 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 We really miss him. Yes? Yeah, Jordan Reed. What else is going on with your team? Now, who's your quarterback? I'm sorry, I don't know who your quarterback is. <laughs> How do you not know? <laughs> you like that, don't you? You like you would like him on your team. <laughs> who is your quarterback? Would you like him on the Eagles? Kirk hey, Cousins. Well, well no, I, I, I would like some of those wide receivers on the Eagles. I, that's for sure. Yeah, that's true too. Right. You, you well, yeah. I mean, I like your quarterback. You, yeah, you got a good quarterback. He's fine. Oh man! Why you know, are what else? Anything else, Stephen? Before we go on, before we let Aguna start crying, because it sounds like he's about to start crying. Deep? I'm not crying. Hey, this is but this is Redskins' um, third game on the road, and the Eagles might have a chance because they're not on the road that much. It just it where it a does wear you out. A chance for what? A chance for what? Chance to beat the Redskins. I mean, that's a moral victory. That would be. Wouldn't it? Better than nothing. Yeah, well, I'd rather take um, I'd rather take a chance at the playoffs any day. But yeah, I yeah, mean, true. Yeah, Better I understand. Enough. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't make the I didn't make the playoffs in my fantasy football, so 
I'm still going to play just to just to see if I can beat the next person. You know, I'm not just going to sit down. Right. So, but it does it does suck not making the playoffs? It's horrible. Professional or amateur. Yeah, tough year. But y'all started out so good. Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, so do you want me to go in right now, Stacy, or you want me to? I'll, I'll wait till you open the so I can open up the. No, I mean, go ahead. I mean, you might as well. It's a segue right into it. You might as well start crying. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, I, 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 there's no more tears. There's no more tears. I mean, that Green Bay game. That just kind of set the tone, and that Cincinnati game, they just completely gave up. And, I mean, Wentz ended up having to throw 60 times, and they only had, by the end of the game, they only have like three active receivers on their roster. I mean, so, and part of, you know, it goes back, we just got grounded. You know, a young team, the problem has always been that if the defense doesn't show up, the offense is not going to be able to put points on the board. And that's what happened in the. Cincinnati game happened in the Green Bay game. Um, the defense didn't show up. So hopefully next year, you know, we can get some young receivers in there, maybe get a, a, a decent free agent, and you can have a whole different outlook on, um, you know, the game. I mean, they need some weapons. I mean, if you look at Dallas and what they've been able to do with two rookies at quarterback and um, running back, you know, they at least have – veterans and pro bowlers and future Hall of Famers at skilled positions. You know, you got Dez at wide receiver, you got Jason Witten at tight end. So these guys are able to make plays, whereas the on the Eagles, you know, you really don't have that veteran leadership on any part of the offense. I mean, unless you include Brent Selleck, and he's not really that – he's not a pro bowl caliber tight end. And then plus we have the running back situation with um, – Ryan Matthews being out, you know, you just don't have any offensive firepower. The defense, right. when it shows up, is, I mean, but, you know, they've been underplaying as, as of late. I mean, Fletcher Cox got that big multi-million dollar contract. He hasn't showed up um, lately. I mean, the refs yeah. haven't been very friendly to us, but the Cincinnati yeah. game just goes to show you that we just don't. I mean, Doug Peterson's a rookie head coach. He doesn't have really clout within, you know, the league or the officiating. So, you know, you saw – you know, that even on the road, you continue to struggle on the road. So it's just one of those things where the Eagles have to have a really good off season and bring in some weapons and continue to build off their, um, you know, they get off their earlier success. Because, I mean, I still think there's potential. I mean, Wentz, is, his growth has um, suffered because of the fact that the receivers aren't catching the balls, because, you know, you don't have – a, a solidified running game. And even in Kansas City, Doug Peterson had a pretty good running back and was in Jamal Charles to kind of slow down the game and give Alex Smith an opportunity to make plays. And that's what Wentz is lacking right now with these young running backs he has. So he'll probably get Ryan Matthews out of there and get another running back there. And hopefully next year you'll see a little bit more clicking on offense, especially with the receivers. But it's been brutal, man. I know Philadelphia fans are like, you know, we got to win now. But, I mean, we knew going into this season with a new head coach and a rookie quarterback that, you know, still a kind of a rebuilding mode. But, I mean, in the league it's a win-now mentality. So especially when you see the other teams in the East doing well, you, you think that, hey, you know, why can't the Eagles get it together? And it's just a matter of, you know, you got to have patience. Look at Andy Reid's first um, year in the league. He didn't do great with McNabb. You know, he had Doug Peterson at quarterback, brought McNabb in later on. 
And then the next year they got to the playoffs, and the next year after that they won the division. So we're still kind of miles you know, ahead of where we were when Andy Reid first came. So you look at at least Wentz has got some reps in this year. He kind of got a feel of the game. So, you know, next year you never know. And then you look at Aaron Rodgers and some of the other quarter, Andrew Luck, even um, RG3, their first years in the league, you know they, so, you know there was some there was some success, but you know at the same time it's lightning in a bottle when you got a rookie quarterback doing well. So Dak Prescott, you know that's that's lightning in a bottle. You don't usually get that. You usually have to mature with the team. So next year I think you know it will be a little bit better, but this year is over. I mean it, it, it's done. Took a fork at it. So if we do anything against the Redskins, Stephen, I'll be shocked because this team completely gave up against Cincinnati. So. We'll see what happens, but, but I'm not but, no high expectations there. Wouldn't it be better for y'all if y'all just continue to lose? You'll have a better draft pick, right? No, I don't know. Um, because uh, we don't have a first round draft pick. So we have Minnesota's draft uh, pick yeah. you know, on the first uh, round. So even if we uh, were to lose, it doesn't matter what we do. Uh, if Minnesota loses, you know that'll be great. I mean, the second round pick maybe. You know, we have a high second round pick if we continue to lose, but. Right now, yeah. we're you know, we don't control any of that. Yeah, that's horrible. That's horrible for the future. <laughs> yeah, Some more but at least we have a first round there. draft pick. I think trading Sam Bradford was a good um, move. I think you yeah. know, if, if Sam Bradford would have been playing, I think we probably would have been in a similar situation. If not, he would have been injured or something. I mean, Minnesota's doing okay, but I mean, I think. Now, Bradford, you know, he doesn't go down the field. You saw when they were playing against um, – who did they lose to? They lost to um, – who were they playing? Oh, they were playing Dallas. They lost to Dallas. And they just right. didn't go down the field. They just couldn't go down the field on Dallas. So, everything – They, they couldn't because the offensive the, line was so bad, though. They, could, they didn't have time. He didn't right, have time to right. throw the ball. Right. Yeah. And, they, and the defense actually played well against Dallas. But, you know, yep. because they didn't have that big play capability – you know, they couldn't yeah. go down the field on those guys. They didn't have a running game. So it was like, you know, even though the defense was playing well, their offense settled for field goals, couldn't go down the field. And then, you know, at the end they had a little chance when, with a two-point conversion. But that's not, I mean, that's not enough. You got When you play teams in the league now, you got to have at least an offense that can put up more than 20 points a game. And if you can't put up 20 points a game, you might as well forget about it. Well, that's like if Dallas had Minnesota's offensive line, they would have Minnesota's record too, probably. Yeah, probably. It's all yeah. in the line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, their their line is horrible. I mean, the Eagles yeah. just destroyed Minnesota, so you can tell. You know, they need to. <laughs> yeah. And without yeah, Minnesota they, thought they were going to win something. Well, they had yeah, too many yeah. injuries. Yeah, and Aaron Rodgers shows you that. Aaron Rodgers did some things against the Eagles where, you know, getting out the pocket and everything. Eagles struggle against mobile quarterbacks. So, But in Aaron Rodgers' case, you know, he made plays. You know, you're hoping that Wentz can develop like that and be able to make other his teammates better versus, you know, throwing three interceptions in a game. I mean, that's not going to cut it on the road. You know, you can't – a rookie quarterback on the road throwing three interceptions – you know, that, that shakes your confidence. You're like, you can't close out games, you can't win games. And I think the Eagles' problem is they had a bye week early, and they were 3-0, and they had that bye week, they came back yep. off the bye week and lost a close one in Detroit because of a, a veteran making a mistake. You know, that those type of things, yep. you know, shock your confidence. Yeah, you're on a roll, you got to keep rolling, and they messed them up. 
you know, nobody was hurt, so they didn't need the time off. It was it was it was bad for them. And look at the yeah. way the referees are treating them. Maybe the NFL has it out for the Eagles this year or something. <laughs> I don't know. It seems kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, the refs, this ref, the 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 whole officiating this this year has been horrible. I mean, you saw yeah, in the Giants game. I mean, certain teams just get favorable calls, and you see that yep. you know it impacts games, and you see where refs just get it completely wrong. And right. you know, you saw how um, um, Od um, um, Beckham was complaining about the receivers and how you know blows to the head and stuff aren't getting called. I saw Wentz get blows to the head a couple times; he didn't get called. Yep. You know, so it's it was one of those things. I think they're picking winners and losers. I think they're helping uh, Dallas a lot. So uh, I think it's what it is. I think they want to see Dallas do a little better. Yeah, certain franchises are are bigger, um, sure. you know, are bigger than others. So you know, you want to see the New England, the, the big, even the Redskins. You know, the Redskins. Yeah. You know, you get you got franchises that have fan followings that will put a lot of money in the league. That's why right. like, you never see a Cleveland. You never see like a Jacksonville. No, these franchises aren't going to really do too much because you know they just don't have the fan base to support. I mean, the you know when you have franchises that have global out, you know, Redskins, you, you got right. Redskins fans around the world. You know, Dallas fans around right. the world, even Eagles, they travel and you know they're they're pretty patriots. Those franchises are always going to have some success, not just on the field but off the field. So those things, you know, and officials get caught up in that. So the league wants to see those franchises and certain owners who have influence make money. So that's always going to be the case. Yeah, it's but it still makes... and, it's, and it's entertainment. So they try to help with the entertainment value. When it's obvious right. calls that get blown, you know, people are just getting their heads blown off, but they don't want that team to win. Like they did the same thing to Cam Newton. They just didn't want the mm-hmm. Panthers to win. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, it makes sense. Right, right. Calls you see the Panthers good. now are just in the toilet. And if I do not understand Cam Newton didn't start because he didn't wear a tie to the um, team meeting. They oh, pitched them the first so series. Stupid. Yeah, um, that's really stupid. And the backup top, came in there. Anderson came in there and threw a pick as soon. As <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's high school. That's a high school rule or something or college at most. You don't do that in the pros. Oh, you don't have a tie on. Who is monitoring him? Who's going around checking to see who has their tie on or their socks on or their shoes on? Who cares? You're going to play a game. These are grown men, multi-millionaires, a lot of them. Yeah, but you know. That's the way they want to dress. That's really crazy. That's like somebody not not wearing a tie and they're in a band or something on an airplane. You know what? He can't play the first set. Crazy. Well, yeah, here's the thing, though. If it's a rule, though, it's a rule. So a lot of times, you know, these coaches have rules in order to kind of keep the team disciplined. And, you know, as a yeah, leader, Cam Newton is a leader. They would be doing all sorts of stuff. They would come up with their own stuff. You're they right. Cam Newton really should know better. I mean, he's he's the face of the franchise. He shouldn't be, you know. It's funny that Rivera benched him. Because like, at the end of the day, Rivera is a defensive-minded coach. He wants to keep a team disciplined, grounded, and gully. Cam Newton is, like, too showboaty. You know, he wants to flash and do all kind of stuff and stuff. And he's not, you know, and the Rivera's like, hey, you know what, man, you need to sit your behind down and, and you know, focus on football and stop, you know, because Cam, you know, as, as long as Cam is winning, it's all good. He's dabbing, he's jumping up, he's throwing footballs, he's doing little things on the sideline. As soon as he starts losing, 
he goes into like he throws tantrums. He goes like a girl. Yeah. Why couldn't they just get? Why couldn't he? Why couldn't somebody else see him and say, "Hey, you're supposed to have a tie on and be second string." And then Cam puts the tie, his tie on, and then guy sitting over there don't have a tie on, but he's not gonna play anyway. Where's hey, but you're, you're, you're assuming that I don't know if he, his whole I don't know if would have seen him without a tie. I don't think right? his teammates really like. I, we're assuming that his teammates like him. I don't know if his teammates really like him like that. Hey, you, yeah, you how do we know? Did they say maybe he was sleeping and somebody like took his tie off? Where'd maybe you he was sleeping and somebody took his tie off. Girl. I don't think I don't think his teammates respect him like that. And you saw how Josh Norman even said it. You know, Josh Norman got in that fight with Cam Newton, and they got rid of Josh yeah. Norman like the year later. You know, when he became right. a free agent, Josh Newton. I mean, um, Josh Norman said that you know he he didn't respect Cam. Steve Smith didn't yeah. respect Cam. That's why Steve Smith. You know, when Cam was in the front, was you know took over the completely took over the leadership of that team. Steve Smith. You know, they got rid of him. Josh Norman booked on Cam. They got rid of him. So you know, you got these guys on offense and defense looking at Cam coming in there dressed all crazy and stuff. And they're like, man, this guy is a circus act. He's not winning games. It's great when you're 15 and one, but when you're not winning games, it's time to step up and be serious. You're not making plays like you should. You're whining about the refs. They lost all respect for Cam Newton. So Rivera was probably trying to rein him in a little bit by doing that, but. You see what happened. They got routed when they played um, against Seattle, and part of that was probably Cam giving up. You know, so yep. I can't I can't find a Panther fan. Panther fans are like Eagles fans right now. They're ghosts. Yeah, but well, not just that. I mean, did you hear Todd trying to step out of his lane, Aguna? What was he talking? He said something about Moving Serena. Moving on. Moving <laughs> on. <laughs> he tried to step out his lane, Aguna. Get him. Yeah, it's the wintertime, Todd. There's no, there's, no, there's no tennis going on. It's the wintertime. No winter hoopings going on world. or anything like that. All right, Moving so anyway, our thoughts, our thoughts and prayers go out to the family of Rashawn Salam. Um, he was a former yeah, Heisman Trophy winner. Huh? Yeah, the Rocket. The top, right? Was yeah, that the Rocket? No, the no, no. He passed away at age 42. They think it was a suicide. He passed away in Colorado. Uh, oh, he man. was uh, drafted by the Bears, Chicago Bears. He was a young guy. Wow. Man. He was young. 42, I, mean, yeah. I, re- I remember him winning the Heisman because, um, you know, it was it was between him and, like, maybe Steve McNair and I think Kerry Collins. I mean, that was, like, 94, 95-ish. Yeah, yeah, so he, he was a young guy. And he was a, he was a young guy. Beast. So That's a shame. It was really sad. Stacy. They said this. They think it was an apparent suicide. Wow, because I, I heard today that they said there was no foul play involved, but I just thought maybe mm-hmm. he died of some natural cause or something, that he would kill himself. Cause yeah, 42? Know what he, yeah, I mean, what's well, been going on through his life? What do you mean? What did you say? I said, what natural causes could he have died at at 42? A, a heart attack, for one. Oh, okay. That's true. <laughs> That's true. He could have died a heart attack. <laughs> What's so funny, Todd? That's Stephen anyway, laughing like that. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Anything else around the, uh, around the league with um, NFL? Or let's go to college football. What are your um, – people doing down there in South Carolina. Uh, uh, well, well, before, before we, before we bore uh, the audience with college football, let me just say about what? the suicide. 
Um, <clears throat> you know, I've heard that um, when uh, these football players retire, and you know they retire so early, life uh, just begins for most of us at thirty, and they're uh, retiring. And they're thirty, so it's very difficult to uh, uh, start your life over when all you've done was football. No, but you your got life money, and, so you can do anything you want. Those no, and, and coach some wait a little minute. kids who are looking to be what you uh, just a do. moment. If I can finish my thought before being Don't bombarded lie. by Republican, um, their lives are over as they knew it. Up until that point, you know, from six years old, it's football all the way. And so when they get 30 and 32 and they're retired, they're set down, actually. Uh, And what do they – and it's only so many uh, (sighs) jobs uh, reporting that's out there. So, you know, um, Michael Strahan was talking about this how it's hard to regroup and, and carry on because what what else can they do besides yeah, football? Might, but, Todd, he might have that brain injury that made Junior Seau kill himself. You know, too many hits to the head, and they don't know you have it until after you die, and they have to do brain surgery to find out or, you know, inspect your brain. So it might be well, that as well. Or sometimes something be, but as well. Uh, Aside from brain injury, we're talking about just the sport alone. And what do you do after with when you don't have the fans cheering for you? Yeah, what, I understand what, what do they that. do when you're not an announcer on a television show? You know, it's it's oh, just I'm... difficult, they were saying, to move on from that life. Right. And yeah, nobody knows that. who you are anymore. It's just it, they say it's very depressing, and you spend the well, first four years being depressed after you retired. Yeah, and some people probably get more depressed than others about it, and you just get involved in it something else. That's all they have to do. That's that's easy to get involved in other things, but some people just, like you said, they just dwell on it, and they want it so much. But man, I would just be glad to have it. I would be glad to have a pro career and be able to walk away and. Right. Just count right. My yeah. With yeah. all your facts. Well, because the, you mind, the average, you say that. the average football player, you know, these, a lot of these guys are playing football since they're seven years old. So by the time they yeah. get to 25, 28, you know, and they're, so, I mean, the average yeah. um, league, average career in the league is like three years. So think about it. To get to the league, you've got to be an all-pro throughout high school, right. throughout college, and then you're in right. the league for one or two years, and you're you're done. You know, it's just you're right. rotated out there. Your body, has been, you've been playing for almost 20 years. All right. you've known is football. All you've known is you may have gone to a big-name high school, big-name um, college, and all you've known is football. You've been All-American because the league takes – I mean, the people in the league are like the very best. They're the best of the best of the best. So by the time right. you get out of there and it's a shock, and then you get all this money, you, get in, you, you dream your whole – life to get to this one level and then all of a sudden it's gone in like two or three years and I think with um with Shalom he, I mean he partied a lot that first I mean I think he had one his rookie year he had a phenomenal year and then he was like the cream of the crop in Buffalo and then after that he kind of had a, a downward spiral and he kind of washed out and that's because you know you get fast money a career is you're at the pinnacle of your career 
and then all of a sudden, you know, someone's coming in the very next season to challenge you for your job. Every every game, somebody is pushing you for your spot. So, I mean, you just can't imagine to be in that type of position where, you know, nothing is guaranteed, and people are actually really cheering for you to get hurt because as soon as you get hurt, you know, somebody else is going to be right in there the next play, and, and you're done, your career's over, and you have health issues for the rest of your life. So it's kind yeah, of and dramatic. Myth, that is, and this myth about they got so much money, they don't have that much money. Uh, right. The for average player, say they make a million dollars a year for three years, well, that money has to carry them the rest of their lives. So it's really not a lot of money. Yeah. That's true. I mean, there are definitely and, cases like that. Yeah. And how many jobs are offered to them in terms of coaching high school? There's only so many colleges, yeah. and the lines are long for coaches. So there's only so many colleges, and there's only so many high schools. So what, now what, junior high? So it, right. it's really, unless you're in that business, you really don't know. And it's very, it's a depressing situation sure. to have to come out so young when most of our lives are just getting started. And uh, they have, you know, they so they have to switch careers, which is a whole mental thing. Well, every end in, in everybody's life is a beginning. And you just you just have to go on. You know, I totally understand how, how hard it is for that. But, and I know they don't, a lot of them don't have a lot of money, but they have to know going into it that there's going to be an afterlife after football. And I think they're for their health care. I think their health care should be paid by the NFL. You know, and I think it should go retroactively as well because they're they're giving everything they have for this game. And it's I think it's something the NFL should do. You don't you think? Absolutely. No. Right, right. Yeah. So the ones who don't have all this money. Any health problems? Which are the majority from football? Right, hmm? the majority don't have a lot of money. Right, and when they try to try to get something done, they can't get anything done. You know, that's right. that's not like you know, like the military. The military gives all they have as well. That's a that's a that's a funky job. And that's, but the the NFL is making so much money, they can they can throw some back to their players that are retired. Sure. That's a good point, Stephen. Let's go on. Todd took this whole thing and made it completely boring. Right, right, Stephen? Yeah, he sure did. Good job, Todd. Ooh. He took it somewhere. Completely boring. Stay in your lane. <laughs> Tennis is not being played right now. Let's go to college ball and college playoffs. I can't stand the bowl rotation. I can't stand it. Why do they keep having these bowls? I hate it. So well, they're trying to take out the whole... I mean, I think they need to expand it a little bit more. You know, now that you have, even now it's starting to get back to that log jam of, you know, 11-1 and teams that, you know, like Penn State, people will probably complain that they should have been in there. Um, but you're getting in that, you know, that gray area of, you know, hard, you know, difficulty of schedule versus conference and all of that. So, yeah, it gets it gets a little confusing. Mm. Right. Did somebody say something well, about boring? So, so Excuse me while I go wrong. <laughs> not so much confusing. I mean, it is confusing, but it's just like, you know, 
sometimes people like to do the same thing <laughs> over and over and over and over again. Like I Scott. agree. But if you look at yeah, the same old, same old, everybody's tired of hearing you flush the toilet. He's so ignorant. Yeah, I mean, Keith hasn't even gotten on the show yet. Right. And yeah. he's <laughs> So let's look real quick at the, because um, we got to move on. Can you believe it's quarter hour? Our time goes by so quick. So the Saturday, December 31st, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl at the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. Um, PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, same day, Saturday, December 31st, at the University of Phoenix Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. Monday, January 9th, the National Championship semifinal, winner versus semifinal winner in Tampa, Florida. New Year's uh, Day, or New Year's, six games, is the Capital One Orange Bowl. It's going to be at Miami Gardens, Florida, against Florida State and Michigan. Florida State is number 11, Michigan is 6. Monday, January 2nd, 2017, the Goodyear Cotton Bowl in Arlington, Texas. Western Michigan, number 15, against number 8, Wisconsin. The Rose Bowl game in Rose Bowl, Pasadena, California, same day, January 2nd, is USC, number nine, versus Penn State, number five, the All-State Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, Auburn, number 14, versus Oklahoma, number seven. Um, And that's it so far for the Bulls. I can't stand the Bulls. I mean, they say playoffs, and they go straight to the Bulls. I, I just don't, I can't ever fathom it. I can't stand it. Sorry, I don't end that. Anywho, hey Stacy, um, can I, I ask you? A, can I ask you? I'm sorry. Can I ask you a question really quick before we get off sports? Yeah. What are your feelings about, or what, the, everybody on the panel right now, about football on Christmas Day? Are you looking forward to it, or do you think it's kind of weird? I don't care. Oh, you don't care if it's on Christmas Day? I'll take football no. any day, every day. Every day. <laughs> well, not so much this year because the Eagles stink, but hey, yeah, typically. But still, good football is fun to watch. You know, Christmas, it just adds another dimension was where I was coming from. Well, what do you, yeah. what do you think, think about that, Stephen? Yeah, I think it just adds another dimension to Christmas that wasn't even there. And you give me thoughts about uh, the Christmas presents that I give is going to be more football-related because everybody's going to be right. watching football. So, yeah, yeah, and you know what? Pre- Angela, it's pretty different. Angela's such a good cook that I would hate to be in your position because you're not going to watch much football. After you finish eating all that good food she made and those desserts, you're going to be falling asleep. Excuse me? Angela is really a good cook. Oh, yeah, she's a great cook. My mom said she should um, cook in the White House. That's what she would say about her food. <laughs> Anytime she came over here to eat, she'd eat everything. I don't care how much it was, she'd eat everything. She the White yeah, House? Great... When who's president? I don't mind at her time doing she, it now, but time, not the time she four years ago. It was was with uh, uh, Obama. Oh but my lord! Scared. Oh well. She was, now what she's saying is she's such she a good cook that it doesn't matter, Todd. Of course, yeah. you always have to make things, you know, your way. But he's saying, and her, his mother said, yeah, "Rest in peace." Me, said yeah, she she's such a good cook. She should get top accolades for her cooking. Yeah. Well, not yeah, when Obama's in office. <laughs> Why? That yeah, I understand stupid. that. That really no, I don't understand that. That's not yeah. stupid. Why would you say that? He's saying that she's <laughs> the, 
doesn't like him so much that she would do something, but he knows that she wouldn't do anything, and nobody oh, wow. would. If anybody Steven, was, you know Todd. Anybody, yeah, and if, but if everybody was wanted to, to take Obama out, they didn't. So nobody really did. You know, we had a few freaks here and there that they had to take care of, but nobody really wanted to kill Obama. Because I think he's more of a likable guy overall than that. I agree. But, but if, if yeah. in fact, she's to cook for a president, I'd love for her to get a job today. <laughs> she's got a job. That's ridiculous. Uh, well, she can moonlight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell so, her application. Yeah, we, hope, we hope we hope him. We hope Donald Trump great health as long as he lives. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Do you want to, Aguna? Do you want to talk about your? Um, I forgot your your uh, college football team's name. The Gamecocks. I think they're going the to Gamecocks. like the Birmingham Bowl. Well, they're horrible. I didn't they got destroyed by Clemson. I think they're going to be in the Birmingham Bowl, which is one of these toilet bowl bowls around Christmas, and nobody watches. What and, is a uh, Birmingham Bowl? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what is a Birmingham Bowl? Exactly. What is that? And I think um, South Carolina State missed the, uh, the, um, you know, the uh, I forgot what they call it, the Celebrity Bowl or something like that. It's the you know the SWAC versus the MEAC. I think Grambling State is going to play North Carolina Central. In the um, ce- ce- celebrity bowl or the, something like that, celebration bowl. I'm sorry, the celebration bowl down in Atlanta. <laughs> so, so many bowls. Be celebration to see who, bowl, dildo bowl. That's I don't know how many bowls. Bowl. So it, it's not so much the game, but who wins the battle of the bands? That's going to be a good band competition. But I, I think I'm going for the MEAC, of course. I think A and T won it last year. So if, if North Carolina Central wins it this year, I'll be you know, it's only this, that bowl has only happened um, twice. So the second, you know, the second time, I mean, that's going to be the MEAC winning again. So that's always a great thing. But hopefully mm-hmm. next year, South Carolina State will play in it because um, we've dominated the MEAC for so long. We should we should represent, but we'll see. We need to get a quarterback. Okay. All right. So uh, Joe McKnight, uh, former uh, NFL player. Um, was killed um, in Jefferson Parish, part of Louisiana, by um, Ronald Gasser. Stacy, are you eating? No. What do you mean am I eating? No, I'm not eating. I'm reading. I'm trying to go slow. Can you tell that I'm not eating? No, it sounds like you're eating something, but go on. I'm not. Anywho. Um... I want to talk about that a little bit. It's, it's a hot topic because today he was arrested. I, some of the uh, clips I have are a little long, but I want to play a little bit of them so you can get a sense oh, of, the feel of the people. Okay. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Malcolm Silver, M-A-L-C-O-L-M-S-U-D-E-R. And we are here today to uh, stand with the West Bank NAACP and its demand for justice in the case of Joe McKnight. And uh, yesterday was a horrible day. This young man was murdered in broad open daylight, and his murderer has been set free by Sheriff Newell Norman. We want an explanation as to why this is taking place. 
and we want justice in this case. So we're going to turn it over to uh, Ms. Uh, Spiller. The Spiller from the West Bank, and then yes, uh, we'll hear over, from please. New Orleans NAACP, and then we'll open up for questions and answers. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Gaylor Spiller. I am the NAACP West Jefferson Parish president. I first give my condolence to the, fam the Mike Nikes family. I'm just learning some of the information. I understand that the gentleman who shot the young man last night or yesterday evening has been released this morning. We are here demanding answers and holding everyone accountable for this young man's death. We really would appreciate the cooperation of everyone because we are not here to create violence. We are here demanding answers. This has to yeah. stop. And it starts here. Right. Whatever it takes. Yeah. As long as it's respectful and in order. We are not here once again to be violent. We are demanding answers and holding yeah. every man, Everybody. every woman Everybody. accountable yeah. for what has happened. Put yourself in the magnite's position and then talk to me. Thank you. Good morning. My condolences to the McKnight family. I'm Maurice Reed, the president of the New Orleans branch of the NAACP, an organization that's over 106 years old with over 2 million members nationally. We stand here asking justice for the McKnight family and justice for this community. Yes. Injustice to anyone, yes. according to Dr. King, yes. is injustice yes. to us all. Yes. So we're standing with the Jefferson Parish community, the McKnight family. Yes. We would like for the Justice Department to truly be just. Yes. Uh, it's suspiciously silent with regard to the details of this incident. And when you're silent, you cause suspicions, yes. and people begin to pick up on innuendos and other statements that's circulating informally in the community. We are concerned that there are rumors abound that the shooter is a former law enforcement officer, official. We're concerned that the family has reported that McKnight, Joe McKnight summoned someone in his family called 911 and indicated that he was pursuing a hit-and-run driver and trying to get the identification of someone who had struck his car. And then he was brutally shot down. We heard witnesses spoke to the local media indicating that two shots brought him to the ground and while he was in a prone position, this man mm. stood over him and shot him twice. Again, three and four right. shots, one to the head, the kill shot. We don't think that under those circumstances that anyone should be released back into community oh because they pose a risk of harm to others in the community, maybe a flight risk, and the police department is certainly not operating like it does ordinarily. So we need a statement from the sheriff as to why such extraordinary behavior on the, the superiors in the sheriff's department and why we haven't heard from the district attorney's office. So they maybe this is a matter for the district attorney, Mr. Connick, to supervise. Uh, so those are the concerns that we have, and we are demanding justice. We think a black man was a lynchstone yesterday. We are demanding some answers. Yes. Our next step is to go to the Department of Justice. Yeah, we yeah. can't get justice from the local department. We, gonna get justice. we have to we go to the federal it. government and it. ask the Civil Rights yeah. Department of Justice to take a look at this thing. Yeah. So we're asking that Mr. Polite, the United States Attorney for the Eastern District of Louisiana, yeah. dispatch his civil rights liaison office to begin to look at this case and make sure that 
things are not swept under the rug. Exactly. Evidence right. is not lost. Yes. Witnesses are not dispatched yes. from this yes. community before the real truth come yes. out. Thank you all for coming out. Let's be vigilant. Let's stay woke. Again, we'll take any questions. This is another reflection of the position that black lives in this country do not matter. Even those prominent blacks, such as Joe McKnight, who was a professional football player, a local hero in this community, his life does not matter to Newell Norman. He allowed this white uh, vigilante, in my opinion, to openly, in broad, open daylight, to shoot this young man down, and less than 24 hours later, the killer is back on the streets. Uh, This is something that we as a community cannot uh, sit back and and take quietly. We will be organizing over the next few days and the next few months to really bring to the attention of this country about all the injustices that have taken place here in Jefferson Parish and in New Orleans area. Uh, We have been fighting against police terror and against white vigilanteism for a number of years and we will continue. But uh, we are are appealing to those people of goodwill to stand with us and to say to the sheriff and to the district attorney that we want justice in this case yes, and we, we will do. not stop our protest until justice we is not going to on behalf of the... Uh, what does justice look like for you here? What do you want? What, uh, we yes. want an indictment for murder of the killer Joe McNeil. Put him in jail, the man who did the killing. What if it turns out that there's some sort of self-defense argument here? <laughs> well, we don't know all the facts. No, we don't. <laughs> We don't know. We don't know. If it was the other way around, that black man would have been in jail if he would have shot that white man. Okay? But we do know that there's a problem. Just as an attorney, could I have a racial Speaking of the mic. Who are you? There is nothing in the Louisiana statute. Let them know who you are. Yeah. I'm attorney Morris Reed, Jr. If you review the Louisiana revised statute, I believe it's 1420, justifiable homicide. There was nothing that could have happened yesterday at 3 p.m. in broad daylight on the Louisiana highway in front of many people passing back and forth in front of a gas station that would make this man feel that he was in danger of losing his life from another man getting out of his car unarmed. Y'all look at the Louisiana Revised Statute and read it. You have to be in imminent danger of bodily harm and believe that your life is in danger. And the only way that you can... not lose your life is to kill the other person. As much respect as I have for Newell Norman, with so many years in law enforcement, I can't fathom how you can look at this situation right. and see that this man was in imminent danger of losing his life and release him. Yes. And it wouldn't have happened like that if it was to shoot on the other foot. That's right. I don't see where a black man can kill a white man and, and be released from jail. Yeah. without even a manslaughter charge. Yeah. If two people stop right here, right now, and get in an argument, a, a, sheriff's officer, yeah. a sheriff's officer is going to write him a summons for battery or disturbing the peace. This man is at home with his family without an arrest. There still could be charges, of course. There Look, deadly force is necessary in defense of yourself or another person in the community. However, that deadly force has to cease when the threat is, is, is diminished. So how can you explain a man who's been shot twice in a prone position on the ground pleading for his life to the shooter 
how does that represent a threat to you if you're standing over and yes. you already it's shot him twice? So there has to be some Something. threat of violence on the part of Joe McKnight to justify being shot and four times by the aggressor. The, the investigation is continuing, and I understand that everything's on the table, second degree, um, just, even justifiable homicide, manslaughter, everything's on the table. So are we getting ahead really? of ourselves if it was a black man, if that black man would have shot him, that black man would have been in jail. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. No, 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 no. I'm sick of it. I know. I know. The main question is, thank you. He was in jail. And he should have stayed in jail. We know, know, given the history of this country, if that was a black man that had done that to a white person, that person would be in jail, would not have made fun. No hesitation. uh, So we're questioning why the sheriff decided uh, against the national background of the racial divisions that already exist. Why would you allow this man to to go to be free? Maybe, uh, I mean, I'm just asking, maybe because he admitted that he did it in a flight or something? No, 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 but the reality of it is, it is what it is. And it cannot and no longer be sugar-coated. The point that we raise here today, not what they have on the table, is the fact that this man is released. It couldn't have been nobody else of color. And that's why we stand here. Why was he released? This young man, from what I can understand, begged for his life. You can no longer hide the issues of racism. I'm 62 plus. Yeah. I'm a child back in civil rights. Yeah. I remember the days when I had to go to the counter. I had to go to the back yeah. door and to the window. It still exists today. Yes, it does. We can no longer have we our can. children continue to endure this hatred. Yeah. I am, we are, yeah. about everybody. Yeah. It's not about one race. We all bleed the same. We all want the when we close our eyes, you're color. You're not pink. You're not white. You're one color. So are we. That's right. And I'll tell you one thing. I am the newly elect president here right. on the West Bank. And I will hold every official, and you can take it to the bank accountable. It's time for a change. And this is the only rumor that I've heard that the young man who stood over this young man and shot him, that he stated that he voted for Trump. Now, I got a problem with that. You know, Trump just keeps popping up all over. And the thing of it is, you cannot continue to do this. And I, I, I just have a problem with people that's in office, that's elected, and voted is turning their head. How can you stand here and say that discrimination don't exist? Retaliation is a form. You talk about the the terrorists, 
It's a form of terrorism. It is. It's having people afraid to come forward and speak. That's speak right. the truth. Stand up. Let your voice be heard. Enough is enough. We're not going to take it no more. We are not We're going not back. We're not it no more. You all so Thank you very much. We ain't taking no more. We You can hear. Give us a call at 213-943-3655. Once again, that's 213-943-3655. Let's start with Keith. You hear, you can almost hear in that tape, it sounds like it's starting to boil up tensions, the passion, the hurt, the anger, the, um, the pain. It's starting to pull, it's starting to, it's going from a small simmer, and it's going to boil up. Um, yeah. What can yep. people in that parish in Louisiana do? I mean, what can they do? It's boiling up, and they sound like they'd be arrested well, today. But aren't mm-hmm. they well, uh, handling that correctly? Well, I would say uh, I don't. I don't suppose the people that were talking are members of the family. I don't. I mean, family members uh, of the of the. Uh, of McKnight, I don't know. I, I don't know if they're the member. But anyway, that's important to know because I'm sure the family members are the ones, first of all, who are hurt the most, and they're the ones who feel it the most. I mean, what you difference know, does be- that make? Get to a point. Well, my <laughs> point is that um, a lot of times we see things happen to people, but you know, and if you if you can't if you can't be honest enough to agree on this point, that look, if my own family member is the is the victim, then of course I'm going to be more upset than anybody else. Now, I don't know. That's all I'm saying. But anyway, you okay. know, you're very stupid. You're stupid if you don't agree with that, <laughs> to think that the family members are the ones that are affected directly. So it doesn't affect these other people directly. Now, if we it want to turn it into a race thing again, you know, yes, we're going to turn it into a race, racial issue again. But I was reading about the incident and how it occurred, and apparently um, McKnight, uh, you know, uh, you know, for whatever, whatever you want to say about it, I guess he cut the guy off and, and driving, so the guy ch- gave chase, which was the first mistake. He should not have given chase. I mean, I get cut off, I get, I get fingered, and everybody, everything else, but I don't give chase after somebody, you know, does something like that stupid in a car. So, and then when he gave chase, you know, it, it just escalated from there. But you see, we gotta look at these things as what they are. People are out of control. I don't see it as much as a race thing as I do a people out of control. Two people, two men lost it and out of control. The man with the gun, he was out of control. And I I make that statement. Obviously, he was out of control. So it cost him a a potential potential homicide situation. And he might have potentially murdered this guy. So once we go through the trial and everything, I guess then that'll be uh, it'll come out all the facts. But Isn't it from, what I, from what I gather, when white from what people I gather, let it let it be said, be let it be stated publicly. Black, they can go home. Let it be well, stated publicly without. Sit there. Let it be stated publicly without this guy's big mouth here that can't let me finish the statement. Let it be stated publicly. But I, it looks like, from what it looks like to me, the guy committed murder. Okay. Now I'm just saying that uh, you know we can avoid a lot of this thing. I like to talk about how we can solve problems and avoid situations. The man should not have lost not his temper when the guy cut him off on the car. So when he got cut off, he should not have lost his temper and ch- gave chase to the guy. He should have just let him go. You know, you honk the horn or whatever, you let him go. So that turned into a road rage, turned okay. into a out of control situation. And that's my so that's Stephen, my opinion. 
All right, thank yeah. you, Keith. Stephen, he's 28-year-old, former player for the New York Jets. Joe McKnight was shot by this Ronald Gasser, who 10 years earlier had uh, been had was arrested or been in – I don't know if he was arrested, but he had been in a fight at the same exact mm-hmm. location 10 years earlier for a road rage incident in which he punched someone, and he was, his, the charges were dismissed. He's a former police officer. It was out of control. I, I agree with Keith. People are out of control. But he had a gun in his, what do you call that thing, in between your uh, two feet? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Console. What do you call that? A what? Console. Console. The console, yeah. So. He had a gun in his console, and to me it's almost as if that was premeditated. Do you think that was premeditated? Um, seeing that it was, well, you said to his exact day it was 10 years after? No, I said in location. Exact location. Ten years later. I don't know if it was the same day. Oh, but it was ten years ago. He had the same problem as he did, but maybe not the same day. I don't know if it was premeditated. I I really don't know. It it, it may have been, but you you can't get into anybody's head. We don't have enough evidence from the small amount of facts we have right now. You know? But, Stephen, let Uh, let me ask you. If you're in a road okay. rage, right, and you say to yourself, yeah. oh, last time that guy got me, he got the best of me, all I got was a punch off, but you know what, if this happens again, I'm going to be ready. Yeah. Like that oh, all the yeah, time. I mean. That's what I mean by premeditation. Oh. Mm, yeah, you, you know what, you, you might have a point. You might have a point there, but a lot of people are carrying guns now, a lot more than they ever have. A lot more people have you know, they can carry a concealed weapon now. They have the, the license to carry a weapon. So you're going to have this a lot more. It's, I think it's, 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 I know you need to protect yourself, but I think a lot of times people that have guns can, you know, somebody else is going to get killed. You're not just going to get in a fight, and you're not just going to knock somebody out. You're going to kill them, you know, and that's, 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 a, that's the risk you take. So however this case is, I don't know what it is. It's, it's it's I can't I can't definitely say it's premeditated, not really. But I can see where you're coming from that it, that it may be. Okay, and I don't mean premeditated for that particular person. He didn't know. That right. Oh, I know what you're saying. Oh, that, yeah, exactly. You know, not not premeditated. Not right. Former jet right. Not premeditated in the in the in the legal way. It's not premeditated. But you mean? But I mean, like, if it ever happens again, I'm gonna be ready for that. So it's not. You can't prove premeditation there. But you can say that that the guy was just. My basic opinion is he he had been through it before and he wanted to make sure it, it didn't happen to him like that again. And if it did, you know, like you're saying, maybe he would uh, grab a gun or whatever else weapon he had. But um, did, do we know if he's the one that did the other guy come after him? Did he did he make him shoot him? I don't know. I don't know if we know all those facts and. I don't know if anybody does. Yeah. So it's hard to make a determination. Yeah. So what's interesting is Mr. McKnight had been in contact, and this is according to the NewYorkTimes.com, Mr. McKnight had been in contact with the Minnesota Vikings about a possible NFL comeback. He was released in 2013 from the Jets, and he played two more games for the Kansas City Chiefs in 2014. Then he went on to the Canadian Football League. And but he was he had you know he had been in contact with the Minnesota Vikings about a possible NFL comeback, and he was working at a mental health facility. 
says his brother, Jonathan McKnight. Isn't that interesting? You guys are just talking about how the NFL players really don't have a whole lot of money. I mean, they sign for these millions, and then he's got to be working at a mental health to try to have a comeback. Wow. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey uh, it's also uh, interesting to note the uh, the story said that um, the shooter, this guy, the shooter, Gasser or whatever his name was, uh, he – he shot through the uh, passenger side of his window, which meant McKnight was on the opposite side. He wasn't directly on his side, you know, the, uh, the driver's side of the window, approaching him on foot. He was on the other side, which meant, as far as I'm concerned, that, you know, he could have avoided that whole thing. I'm talking about the, uh, the driver. He could have just driven off. Or maybe if he couldn't drive off, he could have rolled his window up and just, uh, you know, you know, just, uh, you know, forgot about it. But he instead pulls out his gun and shoots the guy, and the guy's just approaching on the opposite side. There was no real threat at that point. Right, you because, see, you know, Louisiana goes. has a standard, like the lawyer talked about, Louisiana has a standard ground, you know, law. Yeah. And it was revised, right. probably because of the incident in Florida. The stand your ground law was revised in New Orleans. Um, right. I don't know and that. I think okay. I think and I think that's what's the key, Stacy, because even though he because there was a case similar to this in which um, a father in Florida in a road rage incident chased someone to their home and pulled up in their driveway and the person Whoa. came out and shot and shot into the car and actually killed the father actually had uh, his daughter in the car, a little girl in the car and the guy, you know, he chased the man to his home. The guy jumps out of his car, um, turns around and shoots into the the guy's car and actually kills the little girl in the car. And they yeah. actually brought charges on the father who chased the guy in Florida um, because they basically, at that point, he was trespassing because he yeah. followed the man to his home. And he yeah. endangered, not only did he did they file charges on for tra- trespassing, but they also, I think, filed charges for child endangerment and even the daughter was so think about that. So and it, this yeah. is this is a case in which, you know, it depends on the lawyer. This is where people get mad at the justice system because he could actually pursue uh, depending on where I, I don't know the details of the case where McKnight was, but if he felt threatened by McKnight, he actually has a right to defend himself even though he put himself in that dangerous position by chasing him because of Danger ground law, and you have to look at the law and look at whether you know, depending on how they uh, adjudicate this case, he could actually get off. And then it's interesting that the judge found him not a flight risk to release him, because that's why they allowed him to go home. Apparently, they probably they looked at the case and said, okay, he's not a flight risk, he's not a danger to society, so we're going to release him. And that may, you know, you know, of course, you know, I know the NAACP is pointing towards race and everything like that, and that could be a part of it. But it's but part of it is is also the details of the case. If in um, Keith mentioned if McKnight approached his car, and see that's that's another important thing because he actually approached his car versus yeah. uh, whether or not the driver if he would have jumped out the car and ran to McKnight's car and shot him that's one thing. But McKnight right. approached his car, so yeah. depending on the lawyer, he may get off on this case. I wouldn't be surprised just because you know if someone's at your car. You know, you can feel threatened, even though, you know, like you said, he's on the passenger side, but he's actually approaching his vehicle. If McKnight was in the car or, or reaching in or anything like that, he actually has a right to defend himself under yeah. Louisiana law. So that's another thing you got to look at. 
But all That's in true. all, just the, the optics of the whole situation is bad because you have a case in which someone, and just like George Zimmerman down in Florida, he chased, you know, Trayvon. You know, this guy chased McKnight, and then McKnight came, and at that point, you know, everything is escalated, so everyone's everybody's hot-headed and things like that. But right. you got to think that you need to call the police and get them involved versus approaching someone's vehicle and threatening it because at that point, you know, you – Especially with the standard ground law, you have a right to defend yourself. If someone's threatening you, if you if you feel that this person is going to take your life, you can take their life. In those yep. situations, in, in uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, that's the way the law is written. That's true. Okay, I agree. All right, so uh, let's hear a little bit about what the sheriff said. Now that that's the NAACP uh, president was talking about Sheriff Newell, and this is what Sheriff Newell had to say. Leaders that stood by me, and I want to thank them again. You are true leaders. You are credible leaders. You did not do what was in your best interest. You did what was in the best interest of the community, and you're suffering for it, and I feel bad for you. I do. And I'm sure you see the emotion in me, because it's not fair. It's not fair for him to be called, you punk-ass Uncle Tom Coon. We saw you sell out to them, you rat-ass faggot punk. That's the tone of what we're calling our elected leaders for standing up and simply saying, let justice prevail and let the process take its course. To go on to say, you ass-kissing faggot that has done little to our community, all we know is that you are a bitch puppet, you you rat-ass looking coon on TV. I bet they made you say that, puppet boy. I know Mm -hmm. what I see. I know that Norman is a piece of shit, and you stood behind that white boy with that bullshit nigga. You won't even Mm. stand with your people, you self-serving son of a bitch. Oh, free. He's a really? Now, see, this this is this is where it goes too far. Because yeah. tone of these go on and on and on and on, and all we simply asked for was let them do their job. Right. And get this white boy off. Oh, so, brother. That's it. Here's, here's, yeah. Tell him, Aguna. The problem is you're innocent. To the ministers who I met with at Hosanna Church the other day, you are credible leaders. You gave me the opportunity to explain what was going on, how we were going through this. And you have received, from what I understand, nothing but criticism. That you weren't more aggressive that you didn't make more demands, and that you've had parishioners threaten to leave your church. Shame on these folks. Shame on these folks. We're constantly talking and asking all of us to reach across the aisle, to embrace one another amongst the races, and when we do so, when we collectively stack, stand together, this is what we call one another. Yeah. Shame on you. you shame it's completely on you. and totally uncalled for. 
To you, I feel bad, and I apologize. I thank you for being the incredible leader that you are. And I know on our day of reckoning, you will be recognized for standing up and doing the right thing. Go for it, Aguna. I know that. Go for it, Aguna. I, you know, I'm against, you know, this sheriff to the folks, out there and trying to politicize. And it ain't about me, because I don't care about me. Well, made it uh, to the yeah, folks that have said the god-awful things the, about here, these guys, listen what he says. that I've had to hear that their kids have asking, when are you coming home so that we can put up our Christmas tree? And they haven't been home since Thursday night. In order to no. accomplish what we've accomplished in this case, for the bad behavior of two people that started this thing? Thank you. Bad behavior. Exactly. And calling these men and ladies that are out there working the overtime, because I'm demanding it, for the purpose of getting I'm... to the end of this situation. And here I we are Monday, they... or Tuesday, excuse me, at 10 a.m., and this thing... From Thursday to Monday, accomplishing all that they have accomplished. Shame on you. Shame on you. When all they've tried to do is their job to get to the truth. To get to the truth. I bring yeah, that up, okay. folks, today, because <laughs> oh, it's, it's not <laughs> even really anymore about Every this. Time you think he's finished, okay, what, yeah, where, where do it's we It's about go all the other cases for? that are yet to come. <laughs> At this point, he's whining. He was whining earlier, but this Listen is... Listen to what yeah. he's saying. We Why better reflect and look at ourselves Damn, in the so. mirror and decide what are we going to be about in our community. Are we going to continue to tear ourselves apart? We don't even give people the opportunity to do what they're supposed to do. See, he's talking to you, Todd. <laughs> he's talking to Todd. And in this case, I will tell you, from the first instance of what went out on the social networks, we created an environment that we now know witnesses were afraid to come forward. Amen. There you go. Afraid. Afraid, and I can promise you, had I made an arrest Thursday night, they would not have come forward. Oh, girl, bye. Yeah, right. For sure. See? In some cases. See, Todd? Because they said they got him. I don't need to get involved. But that was the furthest from the truth. Because this case, even as of right now, this joke. 10 a.m. Tuesday morning, is still maturing, is still developing, and is still moving forward. The bottom line is, move it if forward from jail. If you're sincere about justice in the future, well, I would suggest to you that you pause. And you let your elected folks 
in the criminal justice system or appointed <laughs> folks in your criminal criminal justice system do their job. Yes. Yeah, let them do their job. Do their job. Yeah, Todd, let them do their all job. All you've served is as an impediment to them doing their job. This guy You're scaring witnesses just... away. You're sending things down a course that we need not travel, and you're treating people oh, unfairly for doing the right thing. Uh, Stacey, he's getting kind of, you know. For just simply on. doing he's the getting, right thing. Yeah. How unreasonable right were these time. requests? Holy crap. Don't jump to a conclusion. Relax. Pause. Wait. Relax. Todd. Let us see Pause. what is going to happen. Aaron Rodgers. Why should we? We've been relaxing and waiting over and over and over. Not guilty, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. Laguna was going to make a point. Well, that, that's my point. 3655 Once again, that's 2393 3655. Go ahead, Aguna. So, so what he was saying, I mean, he was correct <laughs> in what he was saying, but the way that his delivery is is what I question. I mean, you, you know, he's an elected official. He's a public servant. Don't don't you know lecture us. He's on, reading tweets. On, yeah. Yeah. Well, well. So the thing is, he needs to do his job, and basically, well, when the Trump public holds you accountable so he's to do, do a job. But see, here's, and the thing is, even though they released the guy, I mean, you're in this country, you're innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. That's right. You're a Negro. That's right. You're a Negro. Well, see, see, here's the thing. I mean, that, and that's you know, I know the optics on this thing looks bad because yeah, you have a, a white guy who killed a black man, and you know, you got the media, and it's, and it, of course, it takes off of social media and everything. People start chiming in. And you can't, as an elected official or a public servant, he can't read into that by, you know, I think he's flaming, he's fanning the flames there versus, you know, you can't sit there and complain about your job. Yeah, the public's going to hold you accountable. There are going to be things said that you don't like, but you don't have to sit there and repeat them and, and try to make, you know, and make the press conference your pulpit and preach to us. I mean, do your job. I understand that the judge released the guy. He wasn't a flight risk. And per the law, I mean, he's acting within the purview of the law now. You know, as this investigation goes forward, you know, because the circumstances should dictate the crime. And I think the, um, you know, the fact that he mentioned witnesses not coming forward, there may have been, you know, things that we assume didn't happen that happened. You know, maybe, you know, Ignite charged the car and was doing all, you know, this could be all kind of stuff. And, yeah, there's a lot to say about race in this. But at the same time, you know, if he, was he, is he a flight risk? I mean, is he a menace to society in the sense that, you know, this guy, you know, may, you know, harm somebody else or do this again? The judge has to make, you know, based on the circumstances of the case, has to make that judgment. And I obviously, you know, whether we like it or not, he he made the judgment. Now, where it goes from there is another question. But, you know, I think with the way social media is, you know, people rush to judgment regardless of what happens. And people are going you know, to protest and, and make angst of it, but at the same time, you got to let justice, the justice system is what it is for a reason. There are laws in the books for a reason. And obviously the people who are put in power by the people are empowered to make those decisions. And that's, you know, I, and even though you don't like it, you have to abide by the law. That's why we are a country of laws. That's right, Todd. That's right. But, you know, what I'd like to point out about what that sheriff had to say was pretty interesting, a few things. One, 
Um, did you hear the way he used the N-word? I mean, that didn't sound as foreign as the other words, to be honest. It sounded like he used that word before. He was a little too comfortable with that word. Of course he is. And if he hadn't used it, he was thinking it. <laughs> but, I mean, did you hear that word really sounded different? I'll play it again, but that word really sounded it, it, it different. Sound, it sounded like he uses the quotation marks as an excuse to say all that stuff. Is he a black? He's black, right? No, he's black, right? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. He's white. Oh, okay. I didn't know. No, no. I don't care. I don't know why race has to always come into this, man. Why can't we just judge a man's actions? You just asked, is he black? He's black, right? Well, yeah, that's that. what I, I mean. I'm saying because we're we're making race so important. Why can't we just judge the man's actions? The man was, you know, well, why can't that be the uh, the uh, the and final? Let justice prevail. Actions. Go ahead. I'm uh, waiting for him to say that N word again. Say you ask kissing faggot that has done little to our community. All we know is that you are a bitch puppet. You you rat ass looking coon on TV. I bet they made you say that, puppet boy. I know what I see. I know that Norman is a piece of shit, and you stood behind that white boy with that bullshit nigga. You won't even stand with your you people. You self serving yeah, son of a like, bitch. He sounded like a black man when he said it. Well, he said all, the and he also said he, he referred to the word coon. They called him if they called him a coon. That's usually they're talking about black guys. Black, uh, when they call people no, coon, they're not talking about white. I think that he's Caucasian, but I think he was making the point that this is what whites are saying about him going into the black community. Yeah, well, why would they call him a coon, though? Black, yeah, whatever. Uh, forget it. <laughs> anyway. I don't know. But go ahead. They don't call, they usually are talking to blacks. But see, again, uh, we, we judge the man's actions, and both of them were out of control. But, you know, whatever this comes to is just. Bottom line is the man's actions. Those men had were out of control, and that's what society is suffering from. We see that all over. I'm not, you know, that's, you heard, that's the problem. Wait a minute. Yeah, but if you heard it, he said it with an oh, he said it with an A and not an R. He said exactly. Like, he sounded like, like a black, a black man to me. <laughs> right, right. That's yeah. right, and that's why you thought that's what it was because that's yeah. he's saying what he had heard. So that's yeah. yeah that's he, all. He, Thank he, you, Steve. And I mean, I, I just think that, you know, it's so crazy. You want to comment? Yeah, Todd, aren't you the resident expert on using the N word, Todd? Well, Todd, is Todd, am I correct or what? Am I right, Todd? This is a typical case of the biasness when you're dealing with. Americans' laws. See, here we go. Set up oh. so if, in fact, a black shoots a white, he will sit in jail until court date. If a See, white just... shoots a black, now just a moment, because uh, we will get factual and the time spent in jail, black versus white. If a white person commits oh, the same crime as a black, he gets less time. That's a proven fact. Uh, even when it comes to the different drugs that uh, people use, there's more time served for crack cocaine because more blacks are on crack than whites. And uh, so, well, Todd, you know what that means? You, you verify. 
Well, Todd, you you verify my you verify my point that the death penalty should be should end it all for everybody. It, it was a committed murder. Um, that's the way it should be done, and that way well, you don't well, have uh, you don't have unequal justice because death hey, is death. Todd, you put them to death. Simple as that. <laughs> Todd, why, Todd, why are why are black people more susceptible to uh, crack cocaine than white people? Or any other oh God! Race? Oh, they're not more go. susceptible. They're not more susceptible. Right. It was just that uh, crack is cheaper. Okay. And so, oh, I got you. Yeah, so it's more uh, accessible to black people. It's cheaper. Oh, I got you. And so, therefore, oh, okay. black people. And, you know, that first started when the government put drugs in black communities. You know they you did that, during don't the, you? During the Reagan administration, Todd? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay. Good. Just wanted to be clear about that. Do you heard that, right, Key? Well, yes. You're under the oh, assumption that every single white person is uh, so rich that uses oh, drugs no, no. that they couldn't be. Question. I mean, based on I what you say, were you crack aware of that? that the poor. Yes or no? So you're saying that crack cocaine only used by blacks because they're poor? I mean, so I mean, because you know, man, get out of here with that more, crap. There's more there's more poor white people than there are poor black people. Thank it's you. Great point. great point, Key. Hallelujah, Stephen. <laughs> Jesus. Wow, Todd, the kids tease you. He said, get out of here with that. But go ahead, Todd. He doesn't Todd, know how to. Todd is just, to... you know, it's ridiculous. It's totally uh, it's just unfounded. You know, no luck. I mean, this story actually happened. I mean, I can't make it up. You know, you heard it. The guy said this today, this morning, the sheriff. He said that this morning. I mean, I, I couldn't, I didn't make that up. All I'm doing oh, is playing it. But, um, Cousin Todd, did you want to make a comment before we move on? No, I, I, I've had it with this panel because I can't, <laughs> I can't go before. Yeah, he can't speak because yeah, he, he, no, he has no cause, no, uh, no point of reference. No point of reference. I asked you if you knew the government put drugs in the black community. You never answered. But I you don't did, know. Stephen. Good well, for you. The answer is, okay, the answer is I don't know. The answer is I don't know. I, I've heard that people say, but I have no, I have no proof out. of that. I don't know. Why don't you get some of your boyfriends in the tea party and find out? What's the evidence you, of that? Where do you, where, which site you're, your source? I'm asking you to find out. No, Maybe you, you know are the one who made the statement, so you have to, you have to prove oh, your source. Okay. okay. I don't have to prove okay, it. So, you do. So, so let me move on. Uh, let's hear. Now, Mo Leafy, the founding executive director of Georgetown University's Institute of Politics and Public Service, and former Arkansas governor and Fox News contributor Mike Huckabee. Good to see you both. So the question is whether Ben Carson can withstand these attacks. I mean, you know what's funny to me, Mo, is that isn't it isn't he exactly what we typically point to as like the smartest person in any room like brain surgeon right isn't that what you always like other than rocket scientist that's what you say like he's no brain surgeon but he can't run hud yeah well he's, you he's know only good at brain look i i i have respect for ben carson's uh, uh skill in uh in an operating room <laughs> but hilarious. look i think it is a curious choice and i do think that there are some legitimate concerns that he's going to have to answer in his confirmation hearings, and, and lucky for him, he'll have that opportunity. But you know, he's never really done anything with housing policy, with urban development policy, and he's never run a major organization or bureaucracy. Okay, but you don't think he's smart enough to learn? 
I'm not saying oh. that maybe he's not, but I do think it's a curious choice. Typically, president-elects, and they're entitled to pick whomever they want, and the Senate is Donald entitled Trump to Trump has never them. been in office before. He's never been in office before. He's right. never run a government before or held right. any public office. Right, and, and the jury's he's still out. be the president. And the jury's still out how, he, how he'll do. But what he said when he was pressed during the campaign on how he'll handle all these complex issues was that he was going to surround himself by experts in the field. I'm not sure that Ben Carson is an expert in this field. In HHS, maybe Surgeon General. All right, well, I'm going to get to Governor Huckabee in a minute. But why can't Ben Carson surround himself at HUD with people who understand housing and urban development and bring the decisions to him? And Ben Carson, as a very smart man, will then process the information and say, you're doing it all wrong, or here's a new way of looking at it, or here's how I see it. And that's the advantage of bringing in you know, the citizen administrator. And he's going to have an opportunity to make that case in his confirmation hearings. But typically you put people in with at least a passing knowledge, basic, basic knowledge of the issue area of the right, major federal agency that they'll, be, that they'll back to run. How's that been working for us, right? Because all these people who back Donald Trump, they want him to bust up the system. They don't like to look to the past as the example of how the future needs to be. And I venture to say they love to see somebody like Ben Carson go in and take an agency, be it HUD, be it <laughs> veterans, be it whatever it is, and just bring new perspectives to it so that we don't keep getting the same results. Yeah, this is the million-dollar question of the, of the Trump presidency. I'd say the voters that put him in office wanted to just roll a grenade into the room, right, mm -hmm. and to just blow up the system. But we don't know what it's going to look like on the back end. Putting the people in who know something about the subject matter with Donald Trump's perspective might give the people what they want. But when you're putting in people who have no knowledge at all of the policies that they are about to implement and the amount of money that the federal government spends on these policies, then I think the questions need to be asked. Governor Huckabee, Nancy Pelosi says Carson is a disconcerting okay. and disturbingly um, unqualified. Based on Awful. what that gentleman said, when you're putting <laughs> someone in and they have no idea about yeah. how and, and well, let me say, even Wait a minute, Stephen. but Trump's Stephen. idea for putting him in is because yeah. he came from low-income housing, and that's no, all he needs. Yeah, you put the black man in charge of the ghetto. You put the yeah, brother in charge of the ghetto. It's absolutely yeah. humiliating. It's like Mr. Bojangles, <laughs> dance for your dance for your dinner. You know, dance for us, dance. It's all yeah. This is the most blatant sign of racism I've ever seen. From, from Donald Trump. I'm not surprised, but it's so blatant. I mean, if he's not the Surgeon General, Ben Carson needs to, to back up and say, I'm not going to be your hood guy just because I grew up there. That doesn't mean I know anything about it. The only thing I know was I was trying not to get my ass beat every day and, and, and trying to survive. You know? and, 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 he, and he didn't even grow up so in the projects. You know, he didn't grow no, up in the projects. He grew up near life. the projects. You know, it was right, like, right. I know it was yeah, kind of... They, but they bleed into each other a little bit as right. well. You know, you got the right. project, low income, a sure. low income, right. But right. I mean, but just because he grew up like that doesn't mean he knows a damn thing about it because he he was just trying to survive. He was a kid. He was a young man. Yeah, at, and at he was time. busy hitting his but, mother in the head with hammers. Right, right. But what he knows, allegedly, but what he knows is surgery. So why wouldn't he be the Surgeon General? I would, I would publicly humiliate Donald Trump, if I was Ben Carson, I know he's a really guy. And uh, uh, you, you, can't, stuff, you, can't humiliate, you can't humiliate I him, but I, I think but, Donald but Trump is humiliating. Let me, let me, 
Let me, let me just okay. take this point out real quick. I don't think – you said earlier that Ben Carson was really intelligent. I think he is really intelligent, but I think he's, he's like an idiot savant. He can go one way on something, and he's so good at one thing. I don't think he's intelligent in a no. broad aspect. But I no. think some people no, are, do but I don't think he is. Right. You agree with sure. me, Todd. I think he's Absolutely. great at what he does, and that's, that's beautiful. And he was the best at what he did, and that's a beautiful thing. But he is mm-hmm. not a thinker. He is not somebody who can grasp all this stuff. And put, for him to put him there and the other people that he's put in, in these positions is absolutely incredible. And we are in trouble in so many ways. But I'm yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I mean, I'm sorry. So I don't know if he's trying to prove a point or I don't know if he's, like, reaching out to his rivals or if he's really just trying to, like, humiliate them on the slide, right. strategically remove them from other things. And, yes. you know, so because even parading Al Gore into Trump Tower yeah. and all the stuff that he's yeah. doing, it just seems very strategic slash strange. Now, I won't put it's anything diabolical. past him. Excuse, excuse me, yeah. really quick. I'm sorry, and I'll be quiet. It's diabolical. We, right, right. Dangerous. So I don't know if it's Trump being very strategic or Trump mm-hmm. being narcissistic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a number of things that's very well. Now, it's Ben it's Carson it. being the head of this agency, I mean, it's a 9,000-employee agency. He doesn't have any experience. And it takes right. me back to the Bush administration where he had that guy in charge of um, FEMA or whatever that was like previously he was like a, a horse rancher or something. It was something he was unqualified. He didn't respond. And, and it, only, it took a disaster happening to really bring it out that he was so unprepared and, and unqualified. So you you I don't know if Ben Carson – I mean, granted, he is a smart person. But putting him in charge, you know, because I joke around saying you put the brother in charge of the ghetto because he's in charge of HUD and everything like that. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just something, I, you know, I don't know if it's like a sick joke or if it's just, or if he's really trying to show where, you know, you put somebody with a, a brilliant mind or a thinker ahead of an agency who's kind of like not from that government or not from or kind of out of the box that they can actually help improve because they look at things differently. I mean, as a surgeon, he doesn't really believe in government. I mean, you read about what Ben Carson said about how the government's involvement and forced involvement in housing has created these um, communities where, you know, poor people really can't assimilate into society because you're forcing, you know, the government's forcing, you know, uh, municipalities to have a certain amount of low-income housing and things like that, and the government should really stay out of it. It's going to be interesting bringing that philosophy to a to that type of um, to that type of role because you know city planners have really struggled over for centuries you know and let alone in the last 25 years to come up with the right mix of you know occupancy for areas where you have a mixed use development in which you have multiple income brackets and they, that actually helps you know helps the community Ooh. because you have people who can you know, work at the service-level jobs as well as the white-collar jobs and things like that. So if you don't have a, a good, unique view of housing and urban development and then you just come in there and just say, hey, let's just pull the government out of it and see what happens, you know, that can have some, you know, catastrophic effects if not done properly. So you've you got to be able to um, have a balance of have that urban planning background in order to understand that type of dynamic. And I don't know if Ben Carson can actually – speak to that or is willing to because from a from a philosophy standpoint he just wants the government to limit its role in that and, and let the market and and things like that you know drive 
you know, where people live and how things are developed and things like that. So that's, that's going to be a different philosophy to run an agency like that with. Right. You know, I think, uh, let me say something, too, on this, because, you know, the bottom line of uh, progressive uh, liberals, you know, the whole philosophy of progressivism is based on, um, I can do it better. In other words, it's been tried before, it's failed, but just give me a chance and I'll make it work. You know, and what am I talking about? Well, if it's contrary to the Constitution and HUD and all these big agencies, they need to go. And that's what Ted Cruz would have done. But anyway, water under the bridge. Um, so now we stuck with uh, with what we got. And uh, I just think that he, it's out of place to put him in that position since he's been in the medical field and he's run Hopkins or whatever that hospital, you know, was. I guess he was running it at one time. Why can't he do something in, in the area of, of uh, you know, the Surgeon General or something. If that's because he's a Negro, and he doesn't want because to elect he, a Negro. And see, what I have a problem with, and this is what I have to say, is that I think that when we, I don't know why everybody, including even Ted Cruz on this, uh, I have to say, uh, heart, you know, disheartens me, because why do we always have to cave in and say, oh, I'll do whatever you want me to do. You know, I mean, if he's going to select these people, why can't they tell him no? Because it doesn't right. work. I mean, that's what I would say. It's not going to work. You know, it's, it's just more liberalism. Gonna paycheck because that, because at the end of the day, president. everyone is a politician. Everyone is yeah, willing to you. compromise their you're right. in order to get that position. So that yeah. we, we can't forget that. You know, Ben Carson, you're right. even though they label Ben Carson and you know, Donald Trump as these outsiders, if you run yeah. a presidential campaign for over a year, mm-hmm. you're a politician. You can't be yeah. a, you mm-hmm. can't not be no. a politician and not run a presidential campaign, let alone win. So there if you look go. at um, Ben Carson, at the end of the day, even though he ran a campaign on principle, you know, and yeah. same thing for Ted Cruz. No, at the end of the day, they want their political career. This is like their career, so they're not right. going to compromise mm-hmm. their career on principle, and that's why Washington is the way it is today. Because you got a lot of folks mm-hmm. up there that are talking that game, but when it comes yeah. down to it, they're going to do whatever it is to keep their longevity in power or keep themselves relevant. You're right. Aguna so, is right. So Republican or Democrat, it doesn't matter. They are equally right. bad. You're right. You guys are right. Even so we're on that time. Out of town. So what I want to do is talk about um, two things in our roundtable, starting with Keith, then Stephen, then Aguna, then Todd. But what I want to talk about two things. One, Trump wanting to cancel the Air Force One order from Boeing. Oh, great topic. And <laughs> two, you know, unintended consequences of the Trump carrier deal. Talk oh. about whatever you want to talk about that Trump carrier deal, but remember great this. Topic. And I'll remind you, remember this, the United States was built on free trade and immigrants. Keith, yeah, that's right. First, well, first, okay. first thing I would say, start with you. Yeah, okay. I'll say that um, on the, you know, America is built on immigrants, but here's the catch. Here's something that you never mention. People never mention this when they say that statement, that America is built on immigrants. Uh, the immigrants that built America loved America. They wanted to be Americans. The immigrants we have today... No, ma'am. The most Those part, immigrants were slaves, and they built the White House for free. <laughs> here we go, here we go, here we go. But anyway, the immigrants, uh, even the slaves, my friend, they didn't leave when they had the opportunity. They stayed here. Many
didn't and that's know why you and I are go. here today. Isn't that wonderful, sir? Where were they that supposed blacks to go? Didn't just up and leave. They didn't, they didn't go they back when, when uh, the Emancipation Proclamation came forth. They stayed here and made this their home. Where were they going? Yes, they stayed here. They stayed here. They stayed here. And that's why you and I are here. <laughs> Hallelujah. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, what I was saying was uh, that, you know, back in the slave, the, um, see, he threw me off. This guy, he's good. Man, Todd, you got me that time because you threw me off. Man. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, Stacy, uh, what was the other one that you mentioned? The carrier, carrier deal. Didn't mention oh, anything carrier, yeah. So, carrier deal. I was talking about carrier deal and jobs. Yeah, the carrier deal. Then I said the, the Boeing. Carrier um, and Boeing. Yeah, Those okay, the Boeing. Topics. The Boeing thing, I don't even want to talk. I mean, gosh, you know, so what? He, you know, big deal. That's fine. I don't care what that. I don't care about that. <laughs> but the uh, carrier deal, I have to say, crony capitalism. Though. And I know Aguna what might get on me on this one, but cronyism is, uh, is, uh, is rampant today. And uh, that's what I think of the carrier situation, because what, where does he get the authority? By what authority, as they said to Jesus, by what authority do you do these things? So right. uh, President Trump, by what authority can you tell a company whether they have to stay and whether they'd be punished if they don't, if they don't uh, stay? I mean, that's by what right. authority do you do that? That's right. And that's what I would that's say. Right. Okay, yeah. thank you. Um, because he's the president. Thanks, Aguna. Yeah. That's his authority. Yeah. What's his authority? What is it? Um, he's the president. Oh God. Well, he's so the president. Know the Constitution. So you want to start with the Boeing? You want to start with the Boeing and end with um, the um, carrier thing? Continent carrier. Which yeah, one I would like to. Even? Yeah, I would like to remind everybody he's still the president elect. And I want that to stay as that way as as long as it can be. It's frightening, and everybody ought to be a little a little on edge. And I'm not trying to make anybody on edge, but Trump, well, you didn't Trump vote. A, huh? You didn't vote for Hillary, so you get what you get. No, well, my state. My you only state, had my two state choices. Voted, my state voted for Hillary, so my vote didn't count anyway. So the president. <laughs> All right. Trump is a is a tater in waiting. I mean, he really is. I know you hear this about politicians, but there's never been a guy like Donald Trump. He can't. <laughs> he can't even wait till he's inaugurated to do all the well, things he's doing now. Look at what well, he's doing. Look how far he's getting. You know said the Obama same thing about Obama. Wasn't Obama. Like that. You That's said right. He was. You said he was. You know what? You know what? You know what I said? You know what I said when I started this show? You know what I said when I started this show? I what? said, well, sometime, sometime around, maybe a year after, a year before, I don't know, somewhere in that area, I said George Bush opened the door and, and Barack Obama stepped out of it because uh, George Bush created Barack Obama and Barack Obama created what we have in Trump right now because each one of these wow. guys oh, saw, how much power, okay. saw how much power <laughs> that the awesome. federal office held for them. They saw how much power. And now Donald Trump, he's not even hiding it. He's not like like Obama. He circumvented Congress some. You know, he did some things like that. That was like, oh wow, look what he's doing. He's 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 doing things like a dictator. You know, and George Bush did things previous that no other president did. They opened the doors for each other. Now we have Donald Trump, who is a power hungry, starving, power hungry child, and that this is what he's going to do. This is what he's already done. He's dictating already how companies yep. should be. 
he's dictating with, with, with everything he's doing, and that that's we, this country is in trouble. There's that's right. everybody should just open their eyes and see what he's already doing. He's, he has a, it's not January twentieth yet, and he's already. So Stephen, we already knew that. Now. You and I already right. knew that, Stephen. Well, we knew that knew coming it, in here. You know what? I still wanted to, like when when Obama got elected or when Bush got elected, I still at the beginning wanted to wish the best, you know, and hope for the best. At least we got to wait for inauguration. We've seen what Trump is doing already. We've seen the craziness already, and he's not even there yet. And everything he's going to dictate to the whole world is what he wants to do. He's, he wants ultimate power. And that's what he feels like he has. He feels like he is the leader of the free world. You know, that's an expression he can use, but he wants to be the leader of the free world, and he wants to, to totally do things his way, and nobody else matters. That's incredible yeah. that the stupid Republicans voted him in. I can't stand the Republican Party. For doing and he that. wants everybody to say yes to him. He wants everybody to say yes to him. You know what you better do? You better agree with him. You better agree with him, and you better not yep. oppose him. Are you going to end up like the Jews or the gypsies or the homosexuals? And I'm, that's not hyperbole. Somebody that is that what, what happened to the Jews, the gypsies, and homosexuals? Well, yeah, I'm talking, I'm talking about under, under, under the same person that came in the same way as Donald Trump has and as Adolf Hitler, and that's that they're going to end up the same Woo! way because that's what we have here. This is very serious. We've never had anything in this country like this. This is a populism. This is nationalism. This is fascism. We've never had this ever, and he's already proven before he's even inaugurated that he's going to be a fascist. Yeah, telling a business, a private-owned business, telling a private of businesses that you can, uh, you know, what you can do or when you, can, where you can go. <laughs> exactly. So, That's what. Hit, okay, hit we're running out of time. Thing. I gotta get, I gotta get Aguna and Tata because we only have like literally yeah. a couple minutes. Aguna. Okay. First, so, do so, Boeing. So, first, do, do Boeing first. All right. So Boeing. So it's two different. It's very interesting because one, he's acting like a Republican. With the Boeing deal, and then the other one, he's acting like a Democrat. So in the Republican, with the Boeing deal, I find it a little bit refreshing that he's holding Boeing accountable, and I see that it's within the purview because he's talking about a government contract. So you're talking about a private company who's having cost overruns and who's really not being stewards of the taxpayer dollars. You know, I think they have a hundred and seventy million dollar contract currently for Air Force One. And Trump is estimating it to cost over four billion. I mean, yeah, you definitely want to say, okay, let's we can probably add some competition here, drive the cost down, or if you can't build it to the specifications that the federal government is requiring in the time frame, yes, you definitely want to hold that company accountable because that's federal dollars that you're dealing with. He right? just used his own private jet. He, he's look, he's uh, he just showboating. Right, right. You know, he could just, you know, he, so he technically could cancel it and save taxpayer dollars in that sense. But, again, it's the military-industrial complex. And, you know, in all honesty, the Air Force One fleet has to be updated because I think the, the two Air Force One um, 747s that they have were built in right. the Reagan and Bush era. So, I mean, yeah, you, you know, you got to get it updated. But at the same time, we should look. you should look at government contracts as a – as a return on investment from the government standpoint, in which you know if a company's not meeting schedules and milestones, they should be held accountable. So that's fine. Now the carrier deal—that is where you know things get scary, because if you look within, and even if you, and even the president of United Technology, who's the president, who's the parent company for carrier, 
he even said in an interview, he said, look, you know, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we kept those jobs from going to Mexico, but long term, those jobs are going away because of automation. We're just going to we're going to invest in that in that facility, and we're going to through automation reduce the the footprint of workers there. And he exactly. even said in in, yep. in the interview, you know, those jobs that were going to Mexico were low skilled, low wage jobs. Anyway. Wow. So, I mean, those weren't long-term career-type jobs that Americans would want and, and want long-term anyway to, to have. Yep. And, that's where, sure. and that's where it's important for the American people to realize, you know, he promised to keep jobs, but that's just – it's kind of like, you know, we complain about the Democrats doing this. They keep people poor. You know, you keep people yep. on a low-end, dead-end job, and you expect them to be grateful versus – And what about, you know, and what about the $7 million that uh, they get subsidized, subsidy? Right, and, and, and yeah, that's coming out of taxpayer right. dollars. And see, yeah, what's going to happen is, you know, they're not getting rid of the engineers. The engineers that are designing the air conditioners and those things, they're they're yeah. not going away. In fact, they can be engineers virtually to the same plant in Mexico. So the labor, the high skill labor that Carrier and United Technologies is looking for, they they can't, you know, they can't hire people fast enough with those yeah. with those skills and those opportunities. But Again, when you're just showboating 800 dead-end jobs that you're keeping temporarily in the country just to, just for, you know, the cameras, you know, people yep. – and then you, you forget that um, United Technologies is a publicly traded company. So, you know, instead of saving the jobs, why aren't you getting Americans to invest in those companies? So no matter where that there company go. goes – you're getting a return on your investment because that company is more profitable. These are public companies. And see, people, in, in, you know, that's the thing about the Republicans, too. Even though he's saving those jobs, most conservatives and, and most true Republicans are frowning about that. Because now that you're putting right. that company on blast and setting the president that, hey, if you, if you try to reduce your cost by, you know, outsourcing low-end skilled jobs that you really – Aren't, it, it's, there's a reason why Carrier is moving that plant. The jobs that they are, you know, replacing there aren't are dead end jobs, and they are maximizing the return for their shareholders. And if you start uh, pick, dictating winners and losers and putting companies on blast that are doing things uh, on behalf of the shareholders, that tells the markets that hey, you know what, we need to do behave in a different way in order. We need to look for different incentives. We need to automate faster. And you're not saving jobs. The only thing you're doing is just shifting the behavior of companies that's going to hide. They're going to. They're going to. You're going to like Steve, like um, Keith was saying, that crony capitalism is going to increase because now they're going to start cutting deals with these states and local municipalities to stay, in which you're not going to get revenue from these companies because they're they're going to defer taxes. They're going to do all kind of things, and all that is money that's not going to go into infrastructure and not going to go into schools. And you talk about jobs being lost, but at the end of the day, communities are going to suffer long-term anyway because you're going to start giving these companies, you know, blank checks and, and all kind of deferred-type deals in order to stay, and they're going to go away anyway because they're going to automate or they're just going to phase that plan out or they're I'm going sorry, to phase things out anyway. Todd, so, you just that's exactly what that they did scary. in California over here with Hollywood. They gave Hollywood a break. Todd, anyway. next question. Uh, Boeing, thank you, Aguna. Todd, Boeing, thanks so much, Aguna. That's very insightful. Todd, Boeing. Yes. What do you say about Boeing canceling the order? Uh, well, I, I don't necessarily agree with Aguna because 
Boeing has, <laughs> uh, and, I, and I only have like 30 seconds, I'm sure. Why do I know? Why do I know? And it's almost up. It's almost up. Good. Okay. What, Ty? Uh, well, I need to hear it anyway. Uh, what, Ty? Uh, <laughs> and when they say, um, when Trump says, stop uh, showing your cards to the president, stop telling them when you're going to pull out, when you're going to end the war, when you're going to. Well, why is he blasting Boeing when Boeing has contracts with Japan and they they have already ordered 200 okay. planes? All right, you and can't even so do the carriage. To put him on blast like that. Okay, go ahead. You're out of here, bro. Whatever, Ty. Whatever, Ty. We're not talking about that division of Boeing. Thank you, thank you, thank you to our women and men of the U.S. (laughs) military for all that you do and sacrificing your life. But we are free to say what we choose to on the show. We are forever indebted. On behalf of Aguna, the Nigerian moderate Republican, Stephen Keith, the constitutional conservative, and my cousin Todd, I'm Stacey Johnson. Thank you for joining us. Let's keep this conversation going on Twitter and Facebook at Spoilerpics. Good night.